I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So every week we record the podcast, I try and think of how I want to introduce things like if there's something witty or something charming but then i hit the record button and i go oh shit tom you got to talk now with that out of the way welcome everybody to another edition of bannering the blue shirts the flagship show uh we're recording on a wednesday this week um this is you know my bad for the most part uh you know rangers played on monday i had a work thingy on tuesday and mike was gracious enough to uh do it tonight so I am, like I said, Tom Merch Jr., and I'm joined by Michael Murphy. And Mike, how's it going today? I am swell, and this week I'm going to make sure I don't interrupt Tom because we got a little bit of feedback, and apparently all the years of Joe cutting me off, and I developed like, I'm like one of those, you know, abused dogs that people have to like teach how to love again. Like I can't help but snap at people because people, people hurt me. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try not to interrupt you this week, Tom. That's my, that's how I'm going to measure my own coursey this week is whether or not I step on your toes. Uh, but I'm also, it kind of worked out because frankly, I had some, it's going around a lot. A lot of people have this like little flu thing. Um, I got a flu shot only for the second year in a row this year. Last year it served me well. This year I was a little worried over the weekend because I was absolutely miserable and I was really congested. I'm still a little congested. I don't know if you can tell, but uh, feeling better now. And it's been an interesting week, not only for the Rangers, but frankly for the Metropolitan Division. Uh, I guess, I don't know, Tom, where do you want to start? You're, you're running the ship this week. So I mean I think we can start off with the the Rangers they are they're back in New York uh, they came off a western road trip which saw them uh defeat the Golden Knights in Vegas they lost to the Kings in LA beat the Sharks and lose a tough game to the Ducks um I would say that and you know it's a the western road trips are always fun for me at least because it's always interesting to see how many people stay up and watch the games live and will tweet and interact you know i I try to have fun with some of these games you know with you know the hashtag blue shirts after dark um and yeah it was uh an interesting road trip and one of the things that was said at least by the coaching staff is oh they picked up five points they left you know the sixth on the table um in that shootout loss to to the ducks um but it's still you know this rangers team that's in a rebuilding year a team that doesn't have tremendous expectations i think you could say expectations are for them to be a little bit better than they they were last year but as of as of right now they sit sixth in the wild card race with 36 points, and third in the wild card race is uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs with 38 points, who the Rangers will play on Friday. But we'll you know we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, Mike, um, just I would say your thoughts, just how the team has played as of late. Like like I said, we have had a number of games between shows, but just your thoughts on how things have uh shaken out in in you know the recent week well i was really curious how they were going to respond after that kind of disastrous game um you know where you know what was it, it they won you know it was i should make this very clear they they shut out the golden knights five to nothing but everything about that game was something of a disaster in uh at least for me um and then you know, following that game, they had a you know a game against the Kings where Jonathan Quick seemed to turn back the clock, um, and you know, frankly, that was a game where the Rangers really also didn't look too good. It was a three-one loss, and then out of nowhere, Tom is a game that I feel like I'm gonna I I watched the you know I watched this full game, and as you said, I'm always curious about how many Rangers fans stick around for the uh, you know the 
the California road trip games that are, you know, it's it starts game times are 10 or 10.30. And it was a good thing that the game that went to OT with the Ducks and the shootout was the, I think that was the 4 p.m. start, right? Um, yep, that was uh, the one. Yeah, because like, there are a couple of these games where I was asleep by the second intermission. I had to watch the condensed version uh, the following day. But the, the game against the Sharks, I wanted to spend at least a couple moments talking about, Tom, frankly, because, like, here's the thing with the Sharks. Everyone knows their goaltending is, is a disaster. Um, and Brent Burns is actually kind of having a really slow year in terms of production. But the Sharks scored first, a shorthanded goal. And then the Rangers just exploded in the third period. Um, you know, they tacked on a couple of late goals. I think they had four straight goals in the third because uh, that was um, including the empty netter. This was Panarin's hat trick, uh, which you know was his first as a Ranger, uh, which is fun because the other two hat tricks in his career came against the Rangers. Uh, so it was a nice, nice seeing him do that for the Blue Shirts this time around. And like overall, this was the game that stood out the most to me in terms of how they played. The expected goal differential in this game was fifty-two point nine four percent in favor of the Rangers, but the thing that stood out the most to me, Tom, was this was a 58.23 Corsi 4 at 5 on 5 for the Rangers. That would be, unless I'm mistaken, yeah, that is the greatest, uh, you know, the most abundant shot share they've had in a game all season. Uh, You know, we've talked about some of the other games where they looked, you know, pretty good, and, uh, you know, shortly thereafter from this game, the Rangers also they lost the game, I guess this is a good transition to the Predators game, where they really looked good, but the officials just decided not to let them win a game, kind of. That game was absolutely insane, uh, the game against the Predators, where they lost 5-2. to two. That and fucking physics on that, you know, would be <laughs> yeah. Panarin goal, like... Yeah, physics also, yeah, where that puck just stopped. It just said, you know what? The laws of momentum, inertia, fuck it. Um, Have you seen Inception? Yes, I have seen What my first thought was is as the, the puck is sort of just spinning in the crease, it's like whenever they're, uh, the you know, with their totems, it's like, oh, we got to make sure, are we dreaming or are we in reality? And it's like, all right, puck, are you going to keep spinning? Are you going to stop? And But at least I guess, you know, he did get an actual goal to keep his, his streak alive. But yeah, that, that game against the Predators, it's that goal goes in. Uh, it's a little bit of a different game if... Ryan Ellis is actually given a five-minute major in not two minutes. That that hit was just... I don't know how you don't call that a major. I don't know how the Department of Player Safety doesn't look at a a hit like that. That was just... The principal point of contact was obviously the head. It caused an injury. Like, he left his feet. You go down the checklist. I want to be clear. I don't think he meant to do... Like, I don't think he meant to headhunt. But the yeah, it wasn't rules, malicious. Yeah, the new rules are you're just responsible for what you do. Like, you're responsible for where the principal point of contact is. And I don't know how stuff like that slips through the cracks. And then, what was that call? That call on Brendan Lemieux and, you know, where <laughs> he gets... little love tap. Yeah, a little love tap. Was it like a cross check or something? And, you know, he gets sent to the box and everyone's just laughing. But it's just like, holy hell, can we get... Something I'm not one of those people who think the Rangers are, you know, always on the you know the raw end of calls and stuff with refs. But I this that was a game where you just couldn't help but you know throw your hands up in the air and say what the fuck's going on. It was just one ridiculous event after another. And like I said, like that was a game I think the Rangers deserved to win. Um, they've played a lot of games this season where they didn't deserve to win and came away with uh, came away with a W. Um, and so. Seeing one like this was particularly frustrating, I think. Um, but yeah, that was kind of that's kind of it for you know what's happened since Tom. Uh, you know, like looking back, even I was just checking now the score in venue uh, adjusted Corsi for uh, that game um, with the Preds. The Rangers were still forty nine point seven, um, and you know it was a game where you know they really played better than a five to two loss, but. It is what it is, and like you said, Panarin kept his goal streak going, and right now he's at, what is it, 
five games in a row with goals? Then... Yeah, five games in a row. He's up to 20 goals on the season, 43 points. Uh, it's just an amazing, an amazing year. And it's something that I think we kind of expected. This is a guy who's going to add a real punch, but um, just just simply incredible. Yeah, the... The thing I was just going to say is there's a we could very easily do the Panarin podcast every week, Tom, where we just kind of just gush about how good he is. Uh, I've talked to my brothers about this a lot. Uh, you know, when we're not talking about family stuff, it's normally, you know, like, how's the weather? How's the girlfriend? Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, yeah, the Rangers. And um, the Panarin situation to me is just I never thought. Like, we all knew he was great, and I know we've said this before almost verbatim, but it's just, it's so nice to see a guy in the first year of his giant contract look this good, um, play the way he's playing. Uh, I think it has helped a lot that, you know, I think that, you know, Capo Caco maybe not is not having as much fireworks and, uh, you know, everything going great in his rookie season, because he's, you know, he's slumped here and there, and he's had issues with consistency and you honestly the more I watch Capo Caco the more I feel like he's adjusting to the professional game which is not surprising considering his age there's a lot of things where he'll make passes that you know you can tell he's used to getting away with some some things that he's gonna have to learn he can no longer really get away with uh, the good news is he's still a teenager it's gonna work itself out I know you wanted to also talk about Mika's advantage because if we're talking about how good Panarin's been, I mean, Mika's been pretty good too. Oh, yeah. And the thing about it is you look at Zibanejad, and obviously it was very disappointing when he went out of the lineup when he did. Uh, he was off to this really good start. And the interesting thing about it is we look at his first nine games uh, of the season. He was, he was off to this this great start. His his line through the first nine games was four goals, seven assists, and 11 points. But the interesting thing about it is he picked up a lot of those points, the first eight of them, to in fact, in the first two games of the season. And then he actually, game seven, eight, and nine, he failed to, to record a point. So he was cooling down, so to speak. He's been back for 11 games now. He has 12 points in those 11 games, and what is most impressive about that is there's only been three games since he's been back in which he's not picked up a point. So it was the overtime loss um, against Boston, the loss against Montreal, and the loss against the Kings. Every other game he's played in, he's picked up a point, and he's actually he's on a streak right now where he's had two points in the last three games. So whatever his injury was, I know that it was this neck thing, and but it felt like a concussion. Um, he's just come back like a man possessed, and he's he's been phenomenal for the Rangers, and it's really good to see. Yeah, because that was, it was really fun getting swept up in the hype of Zibanejad in the you know the top line when it was Panarin and Zib, and it was Booch at the start of the year, which I'm sure a lot of people might forget now. But seeing him have the start that he had, only to get derailed by the crazy scheduling in the beginning of the year, and then of course his injury, it was really like a punch in the gut uh, on top of all the other things that were kind of going sideways. And now having him get back in the groove, and like you said, it, we. Well, I'm not sure we we might have to wait to finally get an answer to like the off season about what exactly was this injury, but uh, he definitely looks like Mika again. I mean, he's just producing, he's ripping it on the power play. Uh, you know, he's doing all those things that you know we've kind of come to expect him to do. He's he's up to four power play goals now, eleven goals, twelve assists total, uh, twenty three points in twenty games, and yeah, I mean he's. He's Mika, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, you know what, Tom? We're kind of talking about star players. I've, I kind of anticipated us talking... Um, you know, no, you said you, you wanted to mention Booch, too. Let's talk about Booch, and then we'll, uh, we'll transition. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really good that we can talk about all the positives of this team. And, you know, you made mention, you know, briefly to how Capo Caco has been struggling and... What's been interesting, and I feel like I jinxed the guy. Uh, I wrote an article about 
you know, Buchnevich. The way I wanted to do it this year was look at how he started the season, um, do a check-in at the halfway mark of the season, you know, say the, the all-star break, and then do one final check-in for his report card. And over the last nine games, he's failed to record a point. He's played 14 minutes a night, and it's tough because there have been games where he's he's looked good. Uh, I don't have all of his underlinings by game pulled up, but he's a guy that the Rangers need to produce if they want this team to be successful. And the interesting thing about it is even though he's gotten those nine points without a game, he's still among the leaders in scoring. Like Obviously, Panarin's up top, then you have Strom, Zibanejad, D'Angelo, and then you have Buchnevich sitting there with 19 points in 33 games. I mean, if I guess it like feels to me that this team has been streaky in the sense outside of Panarin, who's been on from the get-go. You've had guys who, you know, they fall in a little bit of a rut. I feel like it was, you know, how long ago were we talking about, man, what's going on with Jacob Truba? And then just like that, he turns it on with, you know, a, a streak of points. So just wanted to bring that up. You know, briefly, because I know, you know, I'm, I'm a big Pavel Buchnevich defender, um, but I, I feel like, you know, in the sake of transparency, it's not been good for Butch, and uh, hopefully he, he can turn it around uh, and at least not end this month without no points. Yeah, it, it's been rough with Butch, and of course, you know, the, the hit that he took, um, you know, is kind of, you know, literally injury on top of insult for him. Um, and looking at the way he's played, like, I don't, I don't know. I, like you, I, you know, you recognize that, you know, he's still Buchnevich, but he, I was kind of hoping we would, we would be beyond this stage of his career where he disappears for a 10 game block. You know what I mean? Um, and like you, I'm a big fan of Buch mm-hmm. and I, uh, I readily have defended him and will defend him, um, because, you know. Yeah, over, over a large enough sample size, he's a very valuable player. And like you said, if the readers want this team to be successful, um, you know, and everyone has a different definition of what successful looks like for this season in particular, um, you know, I'm of the opinion that they should be aiming for a lottery pick. But uh, you know, that's just I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, so boot struggling is not necessarily a bad thing, but that doesn't mean that's let's actively looking for a silver lining. The reality is, Tom, that. Buchnevich, as you said, uh, it's December 16th. He doesn't have a point in December. And uh, that is not what you want to see from a guy of his talent. Uh, the last time he had a point was a goal against Boston on the November 29th. And if you just kind of just look through his game log, you can see, you know, it's just it's just very strange to see him go through a drought like this. And uh, it's... Not what you want to see. Uh, he's put up a couple of goose eggs in terms of in terms of shots. Although he did actually have six shots on net um, in the Nashville game and another four against Anaheim. So you can tell he's trying. I don't know if it's a question of forcing it or not. I don't know if it's you know some of the the line lines uh, being moved around a bit and you know the team feeling feeling itself out with the Benajad's return. But frankly, it's been like you said, it's eleven games now since Mika's back. It's this shouldn't be something that's actively holding Booch back. And yeah, I, I, on the long list of players that I want to see playing better, Buchnevich is definitely belongs to that list. And for most of the season, uh, leading up to now, he was someone who we could comfortably keep off that list. He felt like he was one of the maybe like four or five guys who was really going every night. You know, it was like him, Panarin, Adam Fox, Ryan Strom punching above his weight. And, you know, the goalies. Um, and, you know, now, where we are now, I, you know, I would definitely put him under the category of it's, you know, he needs he needs something to get him going. I don't know if he needs, you know, David Quinn to rub his shoulders or whatever the hell it is, but something's got to change. Um, speaking of rubbing shoulders, Tom, some hands were shaken, shook. Hands got shook. Uh, Taylor Hall is gone from New Jersey. Uh, this was a topic I knew we were going to talk a lot about. I had alluded to it earlier. Frankly, one, because it, it changes the fate of the Metropolitan Division, not just this season, but of course, 
the devil's getting a conditional first, which is essentially just lottery protected, right, Tom? Yeah, it's basically if if it's you know falls in the lottery, then you don't get this year's; you get the following year. But for all intents and purposes, it's it's a guaranteed first. Yeah. So for if if everything falls apart in Arizona and they end up with a top three pick, uh, the Devils will not get this year's first from Arizona. If not, they're getting uh, the following year's pick. But Taylor Hall is, as I said, an Arizona Coyote. He's playing with Derek Stepan now. Um, and you know, fill the thrill Kessel in the desert. And the reason this is important not only because you know these are picks and prospects going to New Jersey, although uh, I don't know how you feel, Tom. I thought the return was pretty underwhelming um, for the Devils in terms of a player who's a year removed from a Hart Trophy, um, even as a rental, even as you know, one would say you should get more if he's an early rental. You know, where the Coyotes have a chance of resigning him because we're still two months away from the uh, deadline. But as the article you wrote suggests, uh, this affects the Chris Kreider situation quite a bit, right, Tom? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And the Taylor Hall deal happening the time that it did, it was a combination of, of circumstances. One, this sort of... Um, you know, I wouldn't say unrest, but, you know, Hall knew what was going to happen and he just wanted the situation to come to its, you know, foreseeable conclusion. And that, and we're going to have the NHL roster freeze with, with Christmas coming up, um, the holiday break. So it was last night, Tuesday night, um, for, you know, obviously because we upload differently. So me saying last night really isn't all that descriptive, but Tuesday night on TSN headlines, uh, they talked about how Hall is now off the market. Who's the next logical player? And Darren Dregro brought up Chris Kreider's name. And, you know, for all the reasons you'd expect, expiring free agent, um, someone with a lot of skill, uh, brings that physicality and, you know, playoff acumen. Um, but, you know, be, the Rangers are going to do all that they can and see if they can work out a new deal. But ultimately, there's a good chance that he moves on. So I would say that the Rangers will obviously play this next set of games. And I'd be interested to see if at least on the, the surface level, if the teams that we're in the Taylor Hall sweepstakes circle back and say, Hey, what are you looking to do with Chris Kreider? And, you know, after that, maybe they open up a wider market and it's like, all right, these teams talk to us about Chris. Can you improve upon this hypothetical offer? Um, but yeah, I, I would say, and Elliot Friedman even pointed it out in uh, 31 thoughts, how this is sort of, you look at, recent history to predict, you know, uh, future, you know, decision-making. They're in the situation with Hayes. They're in the situation with Zuccarello. And in both situations, they waited till the deadline. But I have a feeling that if they get an offer that they like, they'll do it sooner rather than later. Because him being off the roster gives them the chance to try out players on the roster in his role and then they can evaluate, do we have talent from within or is it something that we're going to have to acquire externally? Yeah, and there's a, just just so everyone's caught up, it's it was Taylor Hall and Blake Spears, so another roster player to Arizona. For that conditional first, we were talking about in 2020 and conditional third in 2021, Nate Schnarr, Nick Merkley, and Kevin Ball. Um, so not the biggest package in the world for Taylor Hall. And like you said, with the Rangers and Kreider, like, there's all signs point to Kreider being moved. Like, that's just the reality. Of, you know, the Rangers will do their due diligence, I think, on trying to find a deal for him. But just given his age, where the team is, um, what the market supposedly will look like, and, you know, like, uh, what is it, a first and a mid-level prospect is what it's going to start at, or is what he's expected to bring back? Correct. I mean, Tom, who else is even out there in terms of rentals for free agent forwards? Is it like Tyler Toffoli? Like, I don't even know. Because obviously Taylor Hall was the big fish. I mean, obviously there's Nick Backstrom, I know. Um, you know, and like, 
but it's not a big list. Yeah, Nick Backstrom isn't going anywhere, and all the other guys who are UFAs are like on Florida or on Carolina. Uh, like they're on teams that aren't going to want to give them up. Nashville, I know, has uh, I think it was Backland, I think, and like you know, they're not going to go. A lot of defensemen, mostly. It's yeah, if but you're the looking. The forward market is dry, which would be, in my opinion, is is very very good news for the Rangers in regards to Kreider because. Every team, you think, what was it, Tom? It was like half a dozen teams, five or six teams that were in on Hall. Um, I know the Blues were in there. Uh, Colorado was interested. Um, I forget the rest of the list off the top of my head. But all those other teams now have, you know, they missed out on the on the big fish. And Chris Kreider is going to look really attractive, especially since he's not. he will cost arguably less, even though the return for Hall wasn't great. But... I mean, the other part of the Hall trade was the Devils retained half of his salary, but that's not terribly surprising considering he ended up in uh, in Arizona. But it's uh, it's pretty surprising to me, Tom, that, you know, that's what Hall got back. And now, like, when I looked at what was there in terms of the, the you know, pending rental market, I guess you could call it, I mean, Chris Kreider is the guy. And that's great news uh you know to, to be frank for the rangers it, it's it's where you want to be you're going to be dealing from a position of strength it's not quite being ottawa with mark stone or you know it's not quite that level but it's it's still pretty nice you're gonna get a lot of calls yeah so i pulled up the list on cap friendly so it's yeah. short it's looking at free or pending ufa forwards by points so you have hall who's off the market yeah. then it's Evgeny Dadanoff or the Panthers who I don't think they're going to move him John Gabriel Pajot with the Senators okay. Mike Hoffman Mike uh, Zach Cassian Backstrom Carl Soderberg Derek Broussard who has 17 points in 30 games Chris Kreider 18 points then Toffoli Josh Levo Vlad Domestikov, Tyler Ennis, and then you keep going down the list, and then you have yeah, older it's... players like Spezza and Simmons and Miko Koivu and Corey Perry and Marlo Thornton and on and on and on. Yeah, so really it's, it's I mean, the only other guy there who, you know, is like, oh, because he's a guy who's like Kreider, he's, he's a name who's been out there forever is uh, Toffoli. Um, you know, but I think Toffoli's value has dropped considerably over the last couple of years, and you know, every other guy in that list, like the guys on Florida, even even Broussard on the Islanders, they, we're talking about teams that are projected to be playoff teams. They're not going to be selling. Um, and the Rangers are very clearly going to be sellers. Uh, and if they're not, then uh, you and I are going to drink a lot and cry in a, in a dark room. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Pajot? Uh, am I worried about what Pajot is going to do to the Chris Crowder market? Not, not really. I mean, he's a center, too. Give me the bidding war. That's all I'm saying. Give me the goddamn bidding war. Speaking of bidding, I think now's a good time for an ad break for a company that, uh, you know, they they came and they said, oh, we'll give money to advertise on podcasts. So yeah, we'll, we'll be back in a few seconds. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And just like that, we are back. Um, We're back to the dinosaur story. Did you ever see that movie, Tom? I don't think I have. Do you know what the movie is, though? It's uh, I think it's... Is it John Goodman, who's the voice of the T-Rex? It's a, it's a weird animated movie that I grew up on. I'll have to look that up, because if it has John Goodman in it, you know, I'm... Yeah, John Goodman's a national treasure. John is a good man. Oh, Tom, that was terrible. I know, I know, it was really bad. You know, it's like low-hanging fruit. What's your favorite fruit, Tom? Apple. Apple? I respect Apple. I'm a cantaloupe boy. Yeah, I mean, like, apples for me, um, like, I, the only caveat with that is, and, like, um, 
I know most people when they eat apples, they just bite straight into the apple with the skin on it. But I, I always have to like peel it because you know, it's just like a, like a, a, a <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I don't like the the sensation of it. It's, I mean, I'm like a toddler in many ways, you know, you in terms of like, my diet. You want so like pre diced little fruit cup? Is that what you want? I mean, it's nice, you know, and then you drink the liquid when it's done and it's, you know, it's yummy. It's like apple juice. Sure. Well, now we know the next time we go to a, a live podcast or something, I'll bring a little fruit cup for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what else should we, we talk about? I mean, I know it's it's been sort of, uh, it's hard. Back. I mean, we haven't talked about that. Yeah, that's that's actually some news that we we should talk about. Uh, kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there are people that they from time to time it's like, where's the Crossoft news, people? Uh, is there anything new to report? Um, so yeah, so Vitaly is home. Uh, he came back from the KHL officially. Uh, I think it's it was at the right lo- now actually while we're recording, and that's the only time I'll interrupt you on this podcast. Well, that's actually that's actually a good point to bring up. So yeah, he's uh, he's back with the pack. He picked up an assist in his first game back in a loss uh, against the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, Adam had put up a a brief sort of uh, synopsis of how Kravtsov looked in what was otherwise a pretty poorly played game. But as he pointed out, the Pack have had a pretty strenuous schedule. And for a team that's been as good as they have this year, you're going to have these sort of, um, you know, less than stellar performances. But I guess my question then to you, Mike, is this. So as we record this, it is, you know, December 18th. At what point do you think we can even consider having someone like Kraftsoff with the main club. Uh, do you think this is something that we will see this year, or is this a very much a situation of we have him back in North America and now we're going to take things super slow? Take things super slow, and then uh, when you have hopefully what is a mini fire sale at the deadline, you create those spots specifically in the top six um, guys who have to fill the void for guys like Kreider, uh, potentially, potentially Ryan Strom, uh, potentially Jesper Fast, although uh, it remains to be seen that, you know, I love Jesper Fast, but it would kind of be silly if the Rangers can get, you know, like a second round pick or a th- even a third round pick and a, like a mid-range prospect for someone like Jesper for a team that wants a penalty killer and a depth winger. Like, it would be silly to risk losing him for nothing, um, you know, to be frank. But, uh, I mean, he's 28. And, I mean, alternate captain, maybe they want to keep him around, Tom. But I, I would say, you know, I don't think we're going to get anything back for Greg McKegg or Michael Haley. Uh, so Definitely not. Yeah, so the hope is, you know, you hope you move Strom, uh, you sell him for the world, you know, you sell Kreider for the world, maybe Jesper Fast, and then, as we remember from... The bigger fire sale of the Rangers, actually. Uh, I think the one two seasons ago was even bigger than last season. Uh, just because, although, you know, both Zook and Hayes out of the lineup was uh, obviously created a vacuum. But you have the opportunity to create space and, you know, to, to plug guys in. I feel like, you know, if the tally's ready then, then so be it. But I think the most important thing, given this unfortunate little odyssey he had with Tractor... Um, Chelyabinsk and their VHL affiliate where he, I think he played three games uh, it wasn't like a demotion thing it was more of a uh, it was an off day for the KHL club and he got sent down there just to get action like we've seen the Rangers do with players here in North America but given what happened there and given the start he had and in Hartford and the fact that he was a healthy scratch after his debut uh, he made his debut I think October 5th for Hartford and then a healthy scratch the very next game by Knobloch I say you gotta just you gotta let him figure it out there and I uh, you know reading Adam's piece I starting the game with Ryan Gropp and Nick Jones I'm like can we not have that as Vitaly's line mates I know it's his first game back but can we can we not do that? Can we give him Fogarty? Can we give him even Leas? Like, 
give him something to work with. But, uh, you know, give him, you know, Daniel Regan, who's just been, you know, quietly one of the better uh, veterans in Hartford. Although no one in Hartford's really running away in terms of scoring. I think last I looked, it was Letary and uh, Stephen Fogarty with the, the scoring lead there. And the great Joey Keane still kicking ass and taking names. But, Joey uh, Keane. I'd, I'd wait. Let, let him let him stew. You know what I mean? You don't want to... You don't want to, like, take the bread out of the toaster too too soon. You don't even have toasted bread. You just have warm bread. It's funny you bring that up, that, that line. It's it's just just keep that 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 imagery in in your in your brain for warm the bread. next uh the concept of bread and a toaster. Just okay. you'll 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 know it when you see it. I know that's like really it's uh it's it's just weird to put that out I there. Know but... bread. I've seen a bread before. Well, I, let's just say that I'm working on something that I'll actually take the time to watermark, unlike the the Taylor Hall, you know, Photoshop with him smiling. Where I didn't, I would thought people would have realized that it wasn't actually him smiling, but I guess I gotta do a better job uh, explaining things in the future. Sneaky little squirrel, Tom. Sneaky little squirrel looking for apples. While we were on the subject of Hartford, uh, another story that Adam wrote is on Igor Shishirkin, and he's just really kicking ass and taking names in Hartford. And it's to the point of, like, obviously, one of the things we preach is sample size, sample size, sample size. It's been only 18 games. But at at some point, you just want to pluck him out of that environment and say, okay... Let's test him against NHL talent and just see does the fish swim? You know, does does he is he able to, you know, keep up with, with the tide? And it's eleven four and three, two oh five goals against, nine twenty nine save percentage. Uh he's he's been really good. And I it's like we had Gorgiev down there and he had a good run um, you know, before he was ultimately called up by the Rangers, but he had gotten off to a really tough start. But Shisharkin, he's just, he, he's been great. I mean, for granted, you know, uh, Wall has been, or Adam Husker, rather, has been very good as the, as the backup, Wall's too. Been great in, uh, in the NCAA as well, for, yeah, as just, to, just to mention the future, no matter which way you cut it, things look good for the Rangers' uh, goaltending pipeline. The, uh, the defensive pipeline also looks really good, which is a merciful, wonderful thing. Uh, not sold on the forward pipeline, but goalies and D, things are going well. Things are going according to plan. Speaking of the future, uh, you actually posted a little brief update today uh, regarding some of uh, the baby Rangers on uh, on defense in regards of uh, Team USA. Yeah, that's right. The uh, So Team USA has a 26-man roster for the World Juniors. Uh, so a couple of the first r- serious round of cuts were made. The final roster will be 23, and the Rangers, the last time around, uh, had Zach Jones and Keandre Miller on that roster, Tom. And after the cuts, uh, both Zach and Keandre are still there. Uh, so they're in, uh, you know, they're in, they'll be traveling to the Czech Republic, and, like, the final final roster decision will be made. Um I'm just counting now uh, to make sure it is nine D that are on the roster, and obviously both Zach and Keandre are defenders. Honestly, like Keandre is a lock. Uh, you know, he won silver uh, with the team last year. The fact that Zach Jones is still here is fantastic, considering that he's a you know he's a freshman at UMass, uh, but he's had an outstanding start to his collegiate career. He did have a bit of a scoring drought. Uh, that I made a note about on uh, on Rangers Radar. And that's, you know, it's to be expected, frankly. Uh, but it's looking at, you know, what his odds are of making the team. I don't hate him. Like, there's a bunch of, like, there's obviously a lot of first-round talent that's there on that blue line. Um, but there's also a couple guys who, you know... I think Zach Jones might have an edge on, so it'll be interesting to see if he does make that final cut of that 23-man roster. Um, they are the only two Rangers prospects there. The Islanders have three guys. Uh, I think it was six total teams or seven teams uh, each that had uh, two players or more on the roster right now. So 
it's great to see them both stick around. Oh, and I actually want to tack on something really quick about Sturkin, Tom, which is uh, his numbers, like you said, he has a 929 save. And that includes the most recent outing, which is before today, as we mentioned, is Wednesday that we're recording. But uh, yesterday uh, was this game against Charlotte where the Rangers, or I should say the Wolfpack, really just kind of fell apart. In that game, Igor allowed five goals on seventeen on twenty-two shots, so he only had seventeen saves. It was, you know, his first loss since that was his first loss, Tom, since November twenty-second. Um, Damn! And between that performance and his last loss, he had a stretch of five consecutive games allowing two goals or less. Um, and you know, the last time I did the radar, his save was 9:35. So obviously, like when you have a game like that where you have 22 shots against and five goals get in, you know, your save percentage is going to take a hit. But for a save percentage to be 9:29 after a game like that tells you everything you need to know. It's a really good point. Yeah, and again, I want to make it clear: I don't think that was an Igor e- having a, a crappy night. That was the team itself having a crappy night. Uh, he was just part of, you know, part of the struggles, but he has been, like, it's just so, it's so good to see, like, Igor playing this well, and also to tie it back to, um, you know, Keandre Miller and Zach Jones, like, when I wrote the news up today, it's, a fun little note is that Keandre Miller actually leads all uh, defenders in the Big Ten in goal scoring time. He's got six goals. I just keep laughing when you bringing up the Keandre Miller goal scoring stats because I remember one of the earlier podcasts we, we did um, around the start of the season. It's like, oh, you know, looking at Keandre Miller, I'm wondering if, you know, the rest of college has figured him out because his point scoring is down. And we're sort of like, well, it's kind of early. We'll see what happens. And yeah, lo and behold. That point, yeah. um, and, you know, that's the other thing is a college schedule. Yeah, I feel like. You know, the most recent game for Zach Jones when I was doing the notes is, you know, UMass hasn't played since December 10th. And, you know, that's kind of what happens with the college schedule is you have these little clusters of games. And, you know, things like the World Juniors are taken into consideration somewhat for how scheduling lays out. And there's tournaments and there's in-conference tournaments and things like that where all of a sudden you're playing every other week. You know, I should say like every other day for, you know, a week or two. And then you have... Maybe you go a week without playing. It's just the way that college scheduling is. But Kendry Miller's been great. Zach Jones has been great. I I really look forward to seeing one, if not both of them, make that final 23-man roster. Uh, I don't know. I, I want... Because at times I feel like this Rangers team has been... You know, I knew it was going to be a somewhat frustrating year, but I there are aspects of the season that have been just kind of tough for me to, to swallow Tom you know what I mean like the way things have gone it feels like oh you know it would be great to see Jacob Truba not play with Lieber Hayek and then oh Lieber Hayek has a significant knee injury that's not what I wanted <laughs> you know what I mean um, and I don't know uh, there's been a lot of fun silver linings like the play of Panera and the play of Adam Fox um, I mean again I don't think we've talked at all about Fox but Fox has still been doing that Fox thing uh there's no room to complain about his game. And I don't know. It's going to be... It's an interesting time of year because we're starting to get to the point where the deadline is... Like, it starts to cast a shadow over over the team because at this point of the year, teams are figuring out if they're playoff teams or not, which is why I feel like the Devils finally said, F it. You know, we're, we're going to trade Hall. And, you know, we saw the Sharks change a coach we saw dallas change their coach um since our last show i think right tom I mean, yes that's it's a, it's actually a really good point to uh we can sort of close out the show with uh our you know nhl news segment we kind of you know talked about some nhl news at the sort of the beginning of the show with taylor hall but the the coaching carousel continues uh the dallas stars fired head coach Jim Montgomery. Um, there have not been any real details that have come out. The only thing that was said is it was, I think it was, you know, is some sort of legalese of, you know, con conduct that would, they felt was, um, you know, conduct or 
Unprofessional? I forget what it was. Yeah, I think it was. It was. You know what? Let me pull up the actual. Yeah, grab user. the actual verbiage there, so we don't say anything that'll get us sued for libel. Yeah. So, let's see. Here is. Yeah. Yes. So Dallas Stars fire coach Jim Montgomery due to unprofessional conduct. Uh, it was unprofessional conduct. Okay, I thought like in my head I was like unprofessional conduct. Then I was like, no, nah, that doesn't sound right. I, I thought it was more legalese than that. But yeah, uh, obviously, so maybe partially for merit, but also he was the guy who you know with the coaching, uh, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, like Coachgate or whatever you want to call it of. All the stuff coming out about abuse and coaches and, you know, Mark Crawford had a, you know, a, a letter public, he made a statement and then, you know, that was the last they were going to talk about that. So, uh, you know, apparently he had been uh, going through counseling over the past decade and he was able to prove that and, you know, that was adequate for his current employer in terms of, you know, an explanation, uh, you know, to address the concerns about him you know physically hitting and kicking players and all that as sean avery former ranger and some other players mentioned but uh yeah tom a lot a lot has gone on uh, <laughs> around the league um to you know we when we talk about doing this segment I, we each said we would talk about like one story each i i mean i guess we could talk about i mean we talked about arizona a lot and we all know the rangers have a fun trade history with arizona Arizona is first in the Pacific Division, Tom. Yeah, they've been very good this year, and it's... What the hell you know, is going on, Tom? I mean, you look <laughs> at... Arizona 1, Edmonton 3 in that division. What the hell's going on? Darcy Kemper's been awesome. Auntie Ranta's been awesome. Uh, it's It's been a good story, and Arizona has been a very easy target from... Many fans, many, you know, in the Canadian media, because they're a quote-unquote unconventional hockey market, and most people don't realize that it's a situation of, there's a lot of dedicated fans, it's just, they have crappy arena placement in Glendale, and it's been this constant struggle to find somewhere more in the downtown area. I mean, it's no different than what the Ottawa Senators are going through. Um, I went to a Senators game, you know, in in November, and it's it's a ways away from you know conventional downtown Ottawa. So, I mean, that plays a role. And yeah, I mean, I went we to a Senators game in Ottawa too. You have to. It's a it's a bus ride. It's a that's how everyone gets those games. There's just a bunch of buses. Yeah, and I think like as New York sports fans, for the most part. It's easy to take for granted the accessibility of the majority of these arenas, you know, in in regards of public transit. Oh, yeah. Um, so Both yeah, the Rock and, and the Garden. I mean, Barclays to an extent because you can just hop off. You know, you can, uh, it's a subway stop. You know, but I mean, for someone who grew up in Central New Jersey, going to the Garden was, you know, you just you hop on the train for an hour and ten twenty minutes and. Then you're under Madison Square Garden. You just walk up a couple flights of steps. You're there. And the Prudential Center is just a couple stops before that. And, you know, that's more like 45 minutes from where I am in Central Jersey. And you think about these teams that don't have that public transportation thing. You know, someone I, you know, work for the NWHL, and I know that's a concern for a lot of teams is, you know, how do we get, you know, fans want to know how they can easily get to games so they don't have to drive into everywhere. But... I gotta tell you, it makes a big difference when you have that accessibility. Yeah, and I I hope that the Coyotes have continued success, um, you know, playing because they've been through through a lot of a lot of scrutiny over the years, and and, and you know, a lot of shots of oh, their building is empty. Um, but when they were in the playoffs last, uh, you know, is really good atmosphere and i can even remember you know their run to the uh the eastern conference or rather western conference final uh, i think it was what 2012 that sounds right yeah I yeah for the coyotes i actively root for him i always have well, you know former rangies step on and you know ranta and yeah, like, what, what fun like players the Rangers southwest to some extent exactly speaking of ranger southwest tom 
our wonderful patrons. All you guys make this show possible. We appreciate you all, but we only read some of your names uh, for the podcast because you have to reach a certain fancy tier, um, which means you'll get extra presents at Christmas. Adam Nahoik, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Amriel Kistner, Anju Chikagov, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Can't Believe I Changed My Name for Joe, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Dan Crozzi, Daniel DeJean, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, George Littman, Igor Zaslavsky, James Dangles, Jermaine Francis, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Keith Franchillo, Kyle Napolitano, a new new patron, thank you very much, Kyle, Matt from Brooklyn, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Michael Scott, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panero in 2020, Patrick Landl, Stieg Bielbeck, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man, Toy from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you. That it's you know it's it's very cool to have everyone that supports the the Patreon. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, there are people that signed up for the Patreon when it was a podcast of you know Mike and Joe and Mike and Joe and Beth. So I, I appreciate you know you not canceling your. Uh, your pledges since I've uh, come on board and uh, you know, we'll continue to look to make this show, you know, uh, every bit and better uh, week after week. You know, Tom, I like it. You're pretty good at this. I try. I just realized that the, I'm sending out um, some podcast stickers. I just realized this time around, Tom, I'm sending stickers to Norway and Germany. I told you before the show, I'm sending to Norway, but also I just realized I have, I have stickers to send to Germany, too. That's awesome. Thank you very much, uh, you know, for those of us who are listening to us in a foreign land. that That's that's pretty wicked. I mean, it's very fancy. Especially since Zuccarello is no longer on, on the team. Yeah, but he's forever in our hearts, Tom. Like a song, a song that keeps us warm in the night. Little Matt Zuccarello. Sweet little man. So with that, we will uh, we will catch you with the the next uh, show, the the mailbag where we answer all of your questions. And uh, thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. <laughs>